0: Good morning, how's everybody doing this morning? Okay, well I did three, I talked to three children this morning, well specifically about what I'm talking about. I asked the first one, do you know what special day it is? And they looked at me like, nope. <laughs> Second one, do you know what special day it is? And I'm pointing to mom, they're like, no. And I'm like, oh boy, we got some dads in some big trouble <laughs> third one finally got it right so kids today is what special day yeah so look at your mother right now and say i love you there you go we got one in here way to go all right so happy mother's day and uh husbands um if we got a lot of young husbands in the or a lot of young dads in the church y'all need to know that it's your job to make sure the kids are aware that it's mother's day (laughs) anyway so it's a great day to to be with you I hope you have a blessed Mother's Day and that you're honored today very well um, we are continue our study through the gospel of Luke and we are in chapter 18 and we're in a unit of text that when you read the scriptures it's helpful to know if you're in a, in a unit together because there's a there's a thought that kind of crosses across that unit that helps you understand what's going on and the unit we are in uh, really is helpful to note that today, as we look at these two men that, that Jesus encounters, helps us to understand that in these encounters uh, with a blind beggar and with Zacchaeus, what Luke is recording for us are physical pictures, physical representations of spiritual realities that he's been talking about. So, what Jesus has been doing, if you've been with us, is as he's walking to Jerusalem, he's been having these encounters, and we're following him he's going to get to jericho today which is just outside of jerusalem so we're getting close and and so what he's been doing in this last section uh, luke has been recording to us jesus's explanation to the people of the nature of the kingdom of god or to phrase it a different way to what discipleship is all about what does it mean to call yourself a christian what is church all about you see what we'll find is it's oftentimes that Jesus's explanation of how to think about things is really a lot different than we might naturally think or our culture thinks. And so that was certainly the case in Jesus's day. He was talking about the nature of the kingdom and really helping his crowd understand, no, 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 you're you're not really getting it. You're not thinking right about why I've come and And how I'm going to bring about the kingdom and what is the nature of the kingdom. So we're really kind of in part three of what we're calling genuine discipleship. What does does a genuine disciple look like or authentic Christianity? And what I'm praying happens is as we look at these texts and and today as we look at these two encounters Jesus has, that we're asking ourselves, is this the way I, I view it? Is this the way I think when I think about church? Is this the way I think when I say I'm a Christian? And that's what Luke has been doing. I think that's what God wants to do in our heart is to say, let's make sure that we are thinking correctly, that we really know what it means to be a genuine disciple of Jesus. So let me ask the Lord to help us this morning. Lord, would you, would you by your spirit work in our hearts and minds this morning that you would correct any misunderstandings that we have, any preconceived notions that aren't really in alignment with what you're teaching us. That what does it really mean to be a Christian, or what are we really supposed to be all about here as a church? And, and just help us to be faithful, Lord. We want to we want to really be in line with with your teaching on this matter because it is very very important. So we ask your Spirit to help us this morning, Lord, as we look at these verses. And it's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at three more marks of a genuine disciple, or three more characteristics of a genuine disciple. And the first comes in the category of, we're going to look at the condition that these people are in when Jesus encounters them. Because again, their physical condition is really representative of of what we see Jesus has been saying is our spiritual condition. So let's look at their condition. We see in verse 35 through 37, Luke tells us, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, again, this is right before he gets to Jerusalem, so we've been on a long journey where he's going to die on the cross in Jerusalem, and before he goes to his death, he's like, I want to make sure you understand this. And so we look at their physical condition. It says a blind man was sitting by the roadside doing what? okay let's try again a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging physical picture of our spiritual condition that's what Jesus is doing here that's what Luke is doing here this guy is blind now if you're blind you are not able to rely upon yourself you are not a self-reliant person You are very dependent, not independent. And so in this culture, this individual who is blind is absolutely dependent on others. His very posture is one of hands open, I need help. This is a picture of what our condition is as genuine disciples. Jesus has been telling us, Encounter after encounter, we saw the, the widow that was desperate. She came to the judge, and the only thing she had was her desperation. That if this judge does not give me justice, I am a single widow woman in a culture that will absolutely destroy me. I desperately need justice. In the same unit of text we're looking at. then we saw the the righteous Pharisee, the religious Pharisee come and stand up on stage at church and beat his chest and say, oh, let me do this pious prayer and think about all my religious zeal and how I am offering God something of value because I'm so pretty in my religion and I'm so glad I'm not like those other sinners. And Jesus says, "That's that's not genuine discipleship that's just dead religion. But then in contrast to that, there was this tax collector who had seen all that he has is spiritual poverty. And in his sin, he realized, I can't stand up there on the stage. I don't even deserve to look in God's direction. And Jesus said, this one, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm looking for. Someone who knows they don't offer me their religion, they stand like a beggar, empty handed. Lord, please be merciful, it said in that text. He depended on the mercy of God. And so, over and over, Jesus has been driving home this point that you're not the rich ruler who should stand up boldly and push the kids out of the way and say, I have a right to be here. Tell me what I must do in my strength to inherit eternal life. Jesus says, you can't do it. You've got to be like those kids that everyone's dismissing and and belittling and saying that they don't even have a right to be here. You've got to be like the child. You've got to come absolutely dependent on me. You've got to come empty-handed, desperate, praying that that I am merciful and I bless you. And here we go again. We encounter this man, and what is his condition? He's blind and he is a beggar. And his only hope is that he opens his hands in this posture and says, Please, please be merciful. Help me. That's our condition as genuine disciples. Jesus is going to the cross, he's about to go to the cross, and he's saying, Listen, if you've heard anything, please hear this. The genuine disciples come empty-handed they come to Jesus saying I only have one hope and it's not my religious performance it's not my righteous acts it's desperation my only hope is you that you will be merciful to me Jesus that is the condition of the genuine disciple as we continue next we're going to look at his confession let's consider his confession this is a A picture of what our confession should be as genuine disciples. In verse 36, hearing the crowd go by, this blind beggar hears all the ruckus. And he's like, well, hey, what's going on? He inquired, what does this mean? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, oh, Jesus of Nazareth. They wake. Hello? Is that what he said? That's not what he said. What did he say? Jesus. He said, Jesus... I'm going to make y'all be awake today. What did he say? Jesus? What in the world is he talking about? Why would he call Jesus of Nazareth son of David? Was his dad David? No, his dad was not David. So what is he talking about? Well, Luke has been telling us all along the way in the gospel of Luke that that's who this one is. If you'll go back in your minds to Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 19... We read about the time that he came in and he read the scroll of Isaiah. This was kind of his first public reading, first ministry, his first sermon where he's saying, I am the Messiah. He unrolled the scroll, it says, and he found the place where it was written. So he goes right to this verse here and he says, From Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. He, the Lord, has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind. And the blind man says, ah, hope. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus sat down and said, these scriptures are fulfilled today in your hearing. In other words, Jesus said, I am the Messiah, I'm the long-awaited one who was promised by God to come and set the captives free, and to do so in a way that is very counter to what you're thinking, that I'm not here just for those who are killing it, I'm here for all, even the marginalized, the oppressed, the captive, and the blind, I'm here to set them free, I want them to have sight. And so he promised to be that one and this word has reached to this blind man and if you'll remember what Luke recorded in the narratives of his birth announcement, remember Gabriel the angel said this in Luke one thirty two. he said about Jesus he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high God and the Lord God will give him this throne of his father David And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And so Luke has proclaimed that this was what Gabriel said when Jesus' birth was announced, that he's the son of David. What are you talking about, the son of David? Well, if you go back in your Old Testament to 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 13, God came to King David, the king over Israel, and he said this to him in 2 Samuel seven twelve: I will raise up your seed after you, David, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so God made a covenant with King David that King David's son will be the eternal king who will establish God's eternal kingdom. And the Bible up to that point made it clear that David was Abraham's son. And what did God promise Abraham? That your seed will be... son. He will be the son of an eternal king. He will be the eternal king, the son of David, and he will be the Messiah. And so this whole picture has been built. A seed of a woman will be the seed of Abraham. He'll be the seed of David. He will come and he will set the captives free as he inaugurates God's eternal kingdom. And Jesus arrives and says, that's being fulfilled right now. And I'm going to set the captives free. I'm going to give sight to the blind. And this blind man said, finally, I have hope. And he's clinging to that hope. And he's been marginalized by the world around him, by his people, by the culture. And in his blindness, he's physically In a condition of desperation. And spiritually, he also is in a condition of desperation. Oh, if I could just see this Jesus. And he's crying out, Jesus, son of David. And what did the people say to him? In verse 39, those who were in front, those who were at the front of the line, Those who had all the right to be there, the ones that got to see Jesus and this poor blind beggar is just back on the side of the road. Everyone's pushed him to side and they're like, be quiet. Jesus is coming. You have no right to be here just like they did to the little children. Be quiet, ladies. Get your kids out of here. The rich ruler deserves to see Jesus. And Jesus keeps saying, you don't get it. That's not the kind of kingdom I'm bringing he says, The kind of kingdom I'm bringing comes to the poor and marginalized and those who know they desperately need the mercy of God. I'm not coming for the pretty. I'm not coming for the rich. I'm not coming for those who think that they can do it themselves. I'm only coming to those who know they need me and are lost. And so they said, Be quiet. Look what he says in verse 39, the second part. It says, but he cried out all the more. He got louder. He says, no, I won't be quiet. I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if it makes me look bad. I don't care what they're going to whisper about me. My only hope is Jesus, and I'm going to put myself in his path. I'm going to experience his grace and his mercy. And so he cried out, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. It's not a a pious cry he doesn't say hey Jesus look what I've done he's covered in mud and filth and everyone's dust as they've walked by him he ignores all the social pressure to be quiet be polite to be politically correct and he says you are my only hope son of David have mercy on me this is the confession of genuine disciples I have nothing to offer I am desperate for the mercy of Jesus. Is this how you think about Christianity? Is this what you think when you come in here and we all all do it? I mean, I took a shower this morning. I put on deodorant. I put on something I thought you might think looks good. But do you know that I'm the beggar? I'm the chief beggar. My hand's empty to God saying, Jesus... You're my only hope. And that's why we were just singing. That's why we read that Romans passage. We need the mercy of Jesus. That's what this is all about, right? Amen? We're desperate for Jesus. How does Jesus respond to this humble, desperate beggar? When everybody else is saying, be quiet, look at verse 40, Jesus stopped. And he commanded him to be brought to him. He said, Bring him here. And he came near to him and he said, Love this question. What if Jesus was standing here today and he looked you right in the eyes and he says, What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> you got one chance. What do you want me to do for you, Tracy? And Jesus looked at me square in the eyes and was like, Can I get a minute? What do you want Jesus to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. Now in the context, we know he is not just referring to physical sight, that this is a picture of his desire for spiritual sight as well. Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. That phrase, "where your faith has made you well, can also be translated, your faith has saved you. As we've seen, this, this man has asked for his most pressing need, but he's done it in the context of, oh Lord, have mercy on me. If Jesus looks you in the eyes this morning and says, What? What do you want me to do for you? Whatever you say, let it be in the spirit of, Oh, Lord, I need you to be merciful to me. Lord, give me freedom from this sin that keeps haunting me, and my only hope is that you are merciful to me. Lord, would you you give me the gift of motherhood, but I acknowledge it's only a gift of your mercy, and I love you more. Than what I want. What is it that you would say to Jesus? Jesus, I need this, whatever it is, make sure it's couched in the heart's understanding as I am desperate for your mercy. Jesus stopped and says, What can I do for you? Jesus always, always is merciful to those who cry to him for mercy. So he heals this man physically. It's a picture of spiritual healing. The condition, he was desperate for the mercy of Jesus. His confession, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the son of David. You are the God, man who offers mercy. Finally, we see the final mark of a genuine disciple is What I'm calling continuation. Notice the continuation that takes place. It says in verse 43, and immediately he recovered his sight, and then what did he do? He went home and said, thanks, got what I needed. No, it says, and he followed him. He continued to follow him. And what did it do was it say he gave glory he glorified God as he followed him he was glorifying God and the people who saw him all the people when they saw it they gave praise to God genuine disciples Continue after experiencing the mercy and the grace of God, their life is transformed. They lay everything at the feet of Jesus. They put their yes on the table. And every day they say, Lord Jesus, what can I do to honor this love as we sing? What can I do to bring glory to your name? How can I obey you? How can I serve you? How can I show people your grace and your mercy? How can the transformation of my life lead others to look at me and give glory to what God has done in my life. Genuine disciples continue day in and day out following Jesus, obeying Jesus, glorifying Jesus, and showing others how praiseworthy God is. That's what genuine discipleship is. That's what this is all about. That's what we're here for. To understand what Jesus is saying to us And asking God to help us and encouraging one another to continue to be faithful to Jesus. Now, look at 19 verses 1 through 10. Zacchaeus. What's the story of Zacchaeus all about? Children, have you learned the song about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And he said, Caius, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. That's it. All right, that's this text. This is where that song came from. So why, what is the story? Why do we sing this song? Why do we know about Zacchaeus? We're going to answer that question right now. Was Zacchaeus a genuine disciple of Jesus? Three conditions we just said, or three characteristics we just said. Number one is their condition is desperate for Jesus. Number two, their confession is Jesus is Lord, my only hope. And number three, they continue with Jesus. Let's look at what happens in verse one. He, he, uh, Jesus, entered Jericho right outside of Jerusalem. He was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. And he was a chief Tax collector. Stop there. What do we usually think of when we hear tax collector? The scriptures often calls him sinner. He was a chief sinner. He's not just a sinner. He's a chief of sinners. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. That means that he made sure all the other little, little scoundrels that were out there skimming money off the top of their own brothers in the Jewish faith are saying, look, you need to know how to do this, and I'm the chief of them. So he's not thought of highly among his people. And if he's the chief tax collector, he's also really rich. Now, what did we just learn about the rich people? It's really hard for rich people to go to heaven. Why? Because they love their money too much. It's hard to let go of money and embrace Jesus. So, this dude has a whole lot going against him. And if that's not enough, what do we learn about him? He's seeking to, to uh, in verse 3, he was seeking to see Jesus, but on account of the crowd, he could not. Why couldn't he see him? Because he's a wee little man. Right? He's a wee little man. No offense. We love wee little people. He's a wee little man. He's got everything against him. Everything in life says, You aren't going to be a disciple of Jesus. You're rich. You're the chief of sinners. And you can't even see him. But what does he do? He says, I don't care what people say about me. I don't care about all the things in my life that want to keep me from coming to Jesus. I am in a condition where I am desperate to see Jesus. Is that what we think of when we think about the type of people that God goes and looks for? Or do we think it's about being rich or pretty or religious He's looking for desperate hearts. Zacchaeus is desperate. That's his condition. And what does he do? Verse 4, how do we know he's desperate? Well, he ran on ahead. I don't care what people are going to say. This is going to look foolish. People are going to talk about me. They're not going to want to be my friends, but I don't care. He runs ahead. He climbs up the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass by. Zacchaeus is doing whatever it takes to place himself in the path of God's grace. I am desperate to have an encounter with Jesus. And when Jesus came to that place. He looked up and he said to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus you are embarrassing me. Now he says Zacchaeus. Hurry. Come down. For I must stay at your house today i got to see this guy because he's not letting anything keep him from encountering the mercy of Jesus. So he hurried down. Listen to verse 6. So he hurried and he came down and he received Jesus joyfully. Now, first thing that comes to my mind as I'm studying this is what just happened with the rich ruler. Jesus said to the rich ruler... Let go of your money and come and embrace me. And it said, he went away. The rich ruler went away very sad. Why? Because he was very rich. And here's a chief tax collector who's very rich, who let go of it all, embraced Jesus, and received him joyfully. He's very happy. Either caution to the wind. He was desperate to encounter Jesus. And here's a picture of his confession. You are my only hope. You are the son of David. You are my Lord. You are more worthy than anything I have in this life. I let it go and I embrace you, Jesus. So his condition, is desperate to see Jesus. His confession, you are the greatest treasure in my life. Finally, does he continue though? Maybe this was just an exciting scene. Maybe this is a camp Experience. Maybe he just got emotional and he embraced Jesus, got what he wanted, and then it just faded. No, let's see if he continues with Jesus. Verse 7. And when they saw it, the people saw it, they all grumbled. You see, that's what the world does because they don't think that what we're doing in here is all about confessing our sin. And so the world grumbled at him and says, He's gone into the house. He's the guest of this man who is a sinner. He's like one of the worst sinners. Well, Jesus, why are you hanging out with this sinner? It's so counterintuitive, so countercultural. They don't get it. And Zacchaeus, does he continue? Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I have I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to restore it. Not once, not twice, not three times, but fourfold. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. You see, this man, Zacchaeus, we see as the genuineness of his conversion, we see the genuineness of his salvation played out in his life that when he came to Christ and he came to know the mercies of God, he let go of everything. He said, he's my greatest treasure. He put his yes on the table. He said, all this money, it's not worth it. I'm tired of worshiping it. You're my only hope. And he said, Lord, what would you have me to do with it? And he said of the justice of Jesus, he experienced the justice of God. And He says, I want to be just with those I've treated so poorly. I'm going to restore to them what I've defrauded them. This man is a changed man. His life has been transformed. His values have been totally turned upside down, inside out. And when people look at him, they say, surely he has walked with God. And they give praise to God. Because he's continued with Jesus. The question is, is that characteristic of us? Is this how we think? Am I being a good Christian? Well, I don't know. Let's see. What what do I do? Let me see my checkbox. Okay, yeah, I attended. I had a quiet time. I did this and I did that. But let's start first with the root. Are you rooted and grounded, dependent solely on the mercies of? of God provided to you through Jesus Christ, and the spiritual disciplines, the the praying, the worshiping, the the giving, the serving, the quiet time, what is that? That is the way you place yourself in the path of Jesus. He's coming, His grace is available, and I'm not going to let anything keep me from experiencing the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, God Almighty, in flesh, who is walking by. And I continue day in and day out because he's my greatest treasure. That's genuine discipleship. So where are you today? where, Where was your head when you came in? Oh, this rich church. It's a pretty building. A lot of pretty people. I like what the pastor wore today. But what we are, if we're genuine disciples, we're the widow begging for mercy. We're the tax collector. Can't even look up at God because we're not worthy. Except that in Jesus Christ, he sees Jesus and not my sin. Praise the Lord. We're not the religious Pharisee. We're not the rich ruler. We're the child coming to Jesus empty-handed. We're the beggar saying, Lord, Son of God, please, if you would just be merciful to me. We're the ones that are too small and too nothing to see Jesus. But we're not going to let anything keep us from Jesus. And we're going to climb up on that tree and say, Jesus, would you be merciful to me? Is that what you understand being a Christian is? But what's the point? Verse 10. Is the point. Four. Reason. I've been telling you all of this, Jesus says. The reason, and Luke's recorded all these encounters over the last three weeks we've been studying. Here's the reason. Here's what I've been telling you this for. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost Do you know you're lost? When Bass Pro Shop first opened, it is the big excitement in town, right? What are we gonna do this weekend? I don't know. Let's go walk through Bass Pro. That's the big excitement, right? So, Dana and my girls and I, we all went down to Bass Pro, and we were having a great time, and we were about to leave, and right about that time, I still laugh when I picture it. I just, we heard off in the distance, I'm lost! I'm lost! I'm lost! It's getting louder and louder. I'm lost! I'm lost! And we're like, what is going on? And this kid is running full steam ahead, doing laps around Bass Pro, screaming at the top of his lungs, doing what his mom taught him to do I'm lost! It worked. Everybody in that store stopped and said, We got to find this kid's mama. That's what we need to know. Do you know you're lost? Would you close your eyes and just think about your condition? In your own heart, would you raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm lost. and I'm desperate for your mercy. He always says yes to those who cry to him for mercy. Would you confess, I'm desperate for Jesus. How will you walk with Jesus today? Would you say, yes, I need Jesus every day. You can come physically to the altar during this song. You can stay where you are and just pray, Lord, I'm laying this at the altar. But I pray during this closing song, you will do business with the Lord. Raise your hand and say, Lord, I desperately need you.